You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome to Under the Shield presents Fight in Progress. We need the applause, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's probably pretty fitting. That's probably appropriate. <laughs> Hi, Susan. How are you? I'm good, Tom. How are you? I'm doing okay. Yeah, we hadn't really had any adventures traveling lately. No. We got to no. get back on the road. It's, yeah. been a, it's been a boring week. It has been. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit of a, of an unusual adventure this week, but yes, you know we hadn't even talked about that on the podcast. No, we haven't. But it, you I, know, it's appropriate. I was leaving that up to you. Well, you know, and I was thinking about it this morning. But yeah, for our audience, I have been diagnosed with breast cancer. Nobody gasped, but ain't a big deal. I'm, you know, as the Phoenix officers go, man, we're feeling kind of bad for the cancer. It doesn't know who it's invaded. And I'm like, what y'all trying to say about me? I don't understand. You have a way with things. <laughs> I scared COVID away. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so I had that surgery, that little minor surgery on Monday. Yeah. But I was back in the office in Glockman's on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the doctor said you had to be with somebody for the 24 hours afterwards. They did. Right? They didn't say one person. Or how it had to be. No. So I had somebody spend the night. She took me and good friends spent the night and then I booted her out and (laughs) clients started coming. So I had somebody with me. My doctor's, my surgeon's just shaking his head going, seriously, we got to write out really specific instructions for this one. Well, he already knew that you were a troublemaker anyway. He did because he already told oncology that, but you know, but this is truly probably something we ought to do a whole podcast on because it is a fight in progress. Well, Fight in progress trying to get appointments even is bad enough. I know, lie, not the truth. And uh, but you know, I think it's something people you know people look at and they're like, oh, like you're telling people like it's some communicable disease or something <laughs> like monkeypox yeah. or look, something. I can touch you and I don't get it. <laughs> and I didn't do anything wrong to get it, so it's not like I was right, bad. Yeah. And uh, I think we need to make this thing something that people do talk about a lot more. Right. Because again, how do people learn about experiences? And and of course. Mine, being the special person that I am, I'm in the 20% of breast cancers, not the 80. Right. But, you know, we can do what we got to do. And I'm just not, as as my doctor said, he goes, you don't think I've ever had anybody who not upset about cancer, not upset really about chemo, other than the inefficiency of the schedule doesn't suit you, Susan. Right. (laughs) Y'all got to work on that. But what are you most happy about and looking forward to? Oh, yeah, my hair falling out and having wigs. Absolutely. Can't wait. And I got two of the biggest, bulkiest defensive tactics kind of Phoenix officers that are bald that can't wait to go do wig shopping with me. They are going to be my models. And if it looks good on them, it's got to look good on this body. And and they are like, we're going to do Facebook Live. It ought to be a treat. I can't wait. They said, when are we doing this? I said, first sign of a clump of hair coming out my hand. We're on. Shave it. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) I am thrilled. (laughs) Yeah, my oncologist kind of looked at me like, I don't think I've ever had anybody ask me for this. Yeah. Because I told her, I said, if you can't tell me after all this other stuff you've told me, I don't want to hear that my hair is not going to fall. I'm leaving. I ain't coming back. She goes, what? I go, yeah, I want wigs. I was never brave enough to just shave my head. Now I got an excuse. Joelle, don't you want to shave yours and wear a wig with me? Listen, don't tempt me. I'll do it, Come on. I think Tom needs I, I to take the peach to take fuzz off. off. So. Mike could go with me. Our guest could go with me today. You, there you go. Yeah. I have short hair, very short hair. It's, <laughs> it's waving goodbye. <laughs> But yeah, so I think we ought to do a, a podcast on this and talk about the stuff that goes on. So yeah. I think a lot of it, people just don't know because, you know, I'll, I'll say it, tell it to somebody and they'll go, oh, and I'm like the first person who looks at me like I'm dying. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm going to assault you. We're just having it. Well, I remember when you told us all. You yeah, know, what I tell you? You were like, 
I don't want no crying, no nothing, no fussing. I'm still me. I'm no different than I was yesterday. Nope. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I might get a little ornery. And the chemo brain's no. actually going to be fun. Because <laughs> y'all been, y'all, I've always said I had dementia. Now I can say it's not dementia in old age, it's chemo brain. I just don't remember. <laughs> so y'all might have to text me daily, Susan, your name is Susan. <laughs> and here's where you need to be today. And here's who you're going to talk to. See, Susan said I can't claim chemo brain, so I'm I'm going with mad cow. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Absolutely. Because chemo brain's not contagious. Sorry, Tom. If I could give it to you, I would. <laughs> but anyway, so maybe that's another, another show down the road that yeah. we can get some people in to talk about and I said, that's what we do. We talk about stuff here that, and, and cancer is an issue for law enforcement from stress and, and first responders yeah. um, because stress does make you susceptible to it. And then you got those fire guys dealing with all that crap oh that gosh. they deal with and all the cancer that they're having. Yes. Yeah. So it's a, it's a topic we definitely need to cover and talk about. And, um, you know, I just know from my past as a forensic hypnotist when I was in Alabama and I remember some of the oncologists talking about they were using me for hypnosis with cancer patients to change mindsets. Hmm. And it kind of goes into Dave Grossman talking about the bulletproof mind. But right. I remember one of the oncologists told me, he said, yeah, he goes, Susan, he goes, I got an old timer. And he goes, stage four, I don't know what kind. And he goes, I'm telling you, there wasn't any reason for him to be here like in five months. And he goes, the old guy looked at him and said, Doc, I'm going to outlive you. He goes, 10 <laughs> years later, he's still here. He goes, I got no reason for him to be alive. And he said, and then I've got somebody that hears melanoma on their arm. They hear cancer. And he right. goes, they're dead in 10 weeks and there's no medical reason. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of times it comes down to attitude. Absolutely. And just talking to you briefly and learning about this, your attitude is unique. It's different than most right yeah. cancer is a scary word um to a lot of people and they don't want to say it and you're right. like hey let's uh hit it head on absolutely hey, anybody that knows susan can say that she's different from most yeah. <laughs> but you know it's like we were telling them at border patrol a few weeks ago over in san diego and i i stand up for the classes and tell them i have i don't look y'all are going to hear it Right. Yeah, the rumors are already starting. I'm dead. I got people calling going, oh, I'm sorry to hear you're passing. And I go, yeah, it was a beautiful funeral. Where were my flowers? I don't think you sent me flowers. And um, so I stand up in front of the groups. I tell all my clients. And, uh, you know, it's like I told them at Border Patrol. I said, I'm going to fight this fight for y'all because y'all need adult supervision. You're not. I can't leave yet. I got to get no, Tom trained. That's right. <laughs> I think God, God probably broke the mold after he made you. So you're one of a kind. That's for I think sure. I've been accused of that before. But I think a lot of that fear of the word cancer is because people aren't talking about it. Yeah. And they're not hearing. You can make it what you want it to be. And I, you know, I, I will. Or know. they've had one bad experience with it. Not or heard about somebody. Right. And not realizing that there's a lot of survivors out there. Absolutely. And that, you know, that's the whole thing. And again, I got more life behind me than in front of me. None of us are getting out of here. <laughs> Something's right. going to take all of us. And so, you know, when the man upstairs says it's time, I, my bags are packed. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. But I just know y'all y'all aren't ready for me to leave yet. I might be ready. Y'all aren't ready yet. And so there's too much too much supervising and red man stick beating that needs yeah, to go on yet sure. to get y'all in the right place. <laughs> got to get us in shape first. That's it. But anyway, we've got a, uh, somebody I'm really excited about because he's connected to somebody that has been a dear friend for almost 30 years now that I've had the honor of teaching with and calling friend. And uh, good, good guy, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, and we have his. I'm going to call you Dave's adult supervision because I know Dave needs it. Yeah, there you go. So my name is Mike Baldwin, and uh, I run the business for Grossman on Truth, and so I'm Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman's right hand yes. man. Um, I keep him on task, and that's uh, got to be tough bless job. your heart. You need my card, my friend. I know Dave well enough to know that. No, so I enjoy uh, what I'm doing, and it keeps me busy, and I'm getting busier every day. He's a well-known author, um, yeah. respected speaker. Yes. He's passionate about what he believes in. Um, he loves God. He loves his country. He loves his family. Absolutely. Um, those are my values as well. And so we talk in our office that iron sharpens iron. So I can help him. 
um, in certain areas to make him better. Obviously, he is who he is. Mm -hmm. His presentations, they speak for themselves. Right. Um, but I do my part, and then together, um, Grossman on Truth just becomes that much better of a product. Well, and, you know, Dave's not but just a little yeah. older than I am. And, and the thing I've always said, I, I, I'm good at what I do. I got no desire to do the business side. We have Joel here to do a lot of the stuff. And, and Joel's story coming to us is actually pretty funny because he came over and was helping Tom and I talking about social media and all of these things. And I offered him a job and he was like, no, no, I'll help y'all. But I think he got away and was having nightmares about how desperate we <laughs> we really needed him. And he called me and he goes, yeah, y'all need me. I'm, I'll come to work for you. <laughs> and Grossman's that way. He is great at what he does and he doesn't need to diversify out into stuff because it would take time away from what he's really good at. Right. And so he has to have somebody like you. And uh, I want to thank you for taking care of my good friend. No, you're welcome. And I believe uh, I used to coach prior to becoming a police officer and you put aces in their places. Mm -hmm. And here in Arizona, you have the Arizona Cardinals and they have a football game. Do we really? Tonight. <laughs> we have a football team? Yeah, I'm just and Tonight even. They're all pros, all mm -hmm. of them, but the wide receiver on the team cannot play nose tackle. Right. The center can't play quarterback, uh, quarterback, <laughs> cornerback, whatever. Yeah. Each guy has to play his role. That's right. And if each guy does his job and you have aces in their places, yes. then the team does well. Absolutely. If you don't have the guys in the right places, and it happens in businesses, it happens in police departments for sure. Sure. Um, you got to know your people and you got to put them for the success of the organization. And it's that attitude, I think, of Dave's that has made him so successful because the reality is, is he is probably one of the most well-known speakers in, in this venue of working with military and first responders that his ego, his ego could have gone so far that he thought he had to do everything. Right. It's not who he is, never has been, never will be. Yeah. Very, uh, humble, very humble, uh, respected, mm -hmm. um, passionate again about what he does, um, stays in his lane, yes. I suppose. He's different than any other speaker. Yes. Um, he's old school, you know. Uh, yes, he is. I love the flip charts. With the markers, the flip charts, the uh, document reader, and some people are into more of an audio production. Right. Um, yeah. That's just not who he is. I didn't think he'd ever get away from an overhead projector. <laughs> he used to cart one around with him till they made the document reader. Yeah, yeah. And he used to tell me, he said, Susan, I'll never do death by PowerPoint. And I said, but Colonel, I have to do PowerPoint because it keeps me on track. It's the only reason I, I don't stand there and read it. It just makes my brain go, oh, yeah, Susan, that's where you got to go back to. But he, uh, he truly was... Uh, one of the ones that I used to laugh about, Dave, what are you going to do when they're in a light bulb to an overhead projector anymore? <laughs> and then they came out with document readers. Yeah. So he, uh, he's one of a kind. And so people see that, um, when I'm booking these events behind the scenes, they're trying to go with the latest and greatest technology. And I'm like, no, he doesn't use that. What does he use? And I tell him and I tell him about the markers and, um, but that stands out. That mm -hmm. makes him who he is because he is different. He's not yeah. one, yes. one of a hundred. Um, he's one of one. That's it. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, so tell us your background and how you even wound up with Dave. Okay. So I, I, uh, I'll basically jump forward to my uh, police career. So, Well, how old were you first when you started in the police? 30. Okay. That's so how old I was. I was a high school uh, teacher and a basketball coach here at a Christian school in Arizona. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, one of the kids that I had coached had graduated, and he told me, hey, coach, I'm testing for Phoenix PD. And I'm like, that's awesome. He goes, you should test. And I go, no, nah, I don't think so. You don't get paid enough to be a cop, and I don't think my wife would want that. He goes, no, nah, you'd be a great cop. And uh, wait a minute, a teacher saying that a cop doesn't make enough. <laughs> I was thinking Aren't we kind of parallel. Here <laughs> that's that right. I was thinking to get shot at or something. Oh, well, that's right. That's right. Um, my wife came home and I told her and she goes, you'd be a really good cop. And I'm like, what? And uh, so the next thing you know, I went down 
tested and got hired by Chandler Police Department. And um, I lived in the West Valley, so I lateraled over um, to a little town called Surprise at the time, and it's grown quite a bit, and I worked there for 21 years. What a great name for a police department. Surprise! Surprise. <laughs> yes, <And> police! That, <laughs> that was a joke, you know, of course. When, when we went to SWAT school. Man, if we could be at Surprise Police Department <laughs> while you're just doing your announcement, surprise, police! You know. And um, so we had some fun with that. And I was able to do a number of roles, but I found my niche, um, my gift, um, being a detective. And I loved interviewing <laughs> bad guys. I loved getting bad guys, but then I was in my element when I brought them back to the station and got to interview them. Some people were scared to interview the bad guy because he's up close and personal. He has the tattoos all over. He doesn't like the police. You're about to put him in jail. But that was the game. And it's like I was working for the victim at that point. Yep. And I had to get a confession, an admission and a confession from this guy. And so... I developed my technique um, over years, and I was offended when I did not get a confession. Well, when we were talking about this out before we started, and you were talking about your interview technique, and I'm, I'm just envisioning Columbo and Matlock combined. <laughs> and for you young people who don't know who Matlock and, and Columbo is, you might want to look that up because that was kind of the, the image I was getting. Yeah, so I didn't try to intimidate people uh -uh. in there, but you had to know your case. Sure. Yeah. Um, so you knew when they were lying or something, but I just kind of dumb cop things down, um, made people feel at ease, like they could talk to me, like they were fooling me, like I didn't know what they were even in the room for. And then uh, just kind of come around the back door. And when I got you, I got you. Yeah. But guess what? We're still gonna talk and I'm gonna treat you like a human being. As long as you're cordial and respectful to me, um, I'm no better than you. I just didn't break the law. You did. And right. so you have to pay for that. And part of my job is to work for the victim yeah. and get justice. And we talk about that as part of the colonel's speech, Pledge of Allegiance, justice for all. Yes. And the victims were doing the right thing, doing what they were supposed to do. They didn't deserve to be victimized. Sure. This perp did what he did. Um, and so now he has to pay. That's kind of how society works. Unfortunately, the last two years in our country. We've gotten away from that. Yeah, this defund the police thing yeah. is evil. Yes. It's the worst thing that could happen to our country. Yes. Um, people are being victimized. Um, they're scared. They don't know. Uh, prosecutors are letting people loose. And uh, right. no accountability at all. No accountability. Mm -mm. And so that that part is very frustrating to see. But the pendulum is going to swing back. It has to. It has to. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to that. But um, did I answer your question about my career? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so you did some, you know, you 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 lived the life. And how long were you a cop before you, re I assume you retired? Yes. So okay. uh, 21 years. And then I just retired this past uh, early this year. And um, I had an opportunity um, just a couple of years ago. I got my master's degree mm -hmm. and I was thinking of, you know, what am I going to do post retirement? And I didn't know exactly when I'd retire from the police department, but I poured out my tank. I gave everything that I had. And so I could tell I was done. Um, I was asking God to show me what he would have for me to do. Mm -hmm. I had a few ideas what I wanted to do. And I had a few ideas, maybe what States I would like to live in. <laughs> and then God had his own plan. Yes. And those jobs that I wanted, um, I did not get jobs that I was qualified for, um, were in line with my major. Um, didn't come to fruition. I was getting a little frustrated and, but I was asking him for wisdom, guidance, patience through the process. And then I saw an ad on LinkedIn, and it was from Lieutenant Colonel Grossman saying that he was hiring someone in his office. Mm -hmm. The unique thing with this, and he would tell you the same thing, I never went to one of his presentations. Really? I had never read one of his books. But you knew of it? But I knew the name. Okay. And uh, 
other guys had gone mm -hmm. and they had spoke highly of him. And so I recognized the name. I sent him an email. He sent some follow-up questions. I answered those questions. He said, let's get on a Zoom call. Mm -hmm. So we got on a Zoom call. I talked to him, told him about my value system, what I believe in. And he goes, that aligns uh, with mine. Um, how about you come out here and see our office and we talk a little further. So this was all in a week and a half, two week start to finish process. And I flew to St. Louis and um, he's just right across the river in Illinois. I never would have envisioned myself going to Illinois. Um, I don't think he would have either, except for grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> you know, being in, there in the Midwest, the politics of Illinois, there's plenty of other places that I was more interested in. But see, when you're asking for God's will, he's going to sometimes test you and say, okay, put your money where your mouth is. Um, are you going to do what I have for you? And this is an open door. And so I would tell my children, when you have an open door, you can stand and look at it and say, mm -hmm. you know, Lord, show me an open door or you can walk through, walk through it. it. And so I chose to walk through it a little bit on faith for sure. I was scared. Um, I lived here in Arizona for 40 plus years. I love it here. My family's here. And to get up and move to a place I didn't know, <laughs> to a guy I didn't know. And um, anyway. So I got there and I uh, hit the ground running and I'm able to use my MBA um, to help run his business and enhance his brand. And so we've done a rebranding with the Colonel mm -hmm. in uh, the name of our company, a uh, new website, business cards, logos, you name it, uh, more presence on social media and the business is flourishing. Yes. He's always been successful and he's always had people coming to him um for presentations but we're getting even more and so it's been that part has been very um rewarding and the new name for those who aren't aware it's no longer killology yep, it it's, is it's grossman on truth and the reason why i picked that he is the product grossman and then on truth it just kind of falls in line with number one what are you telling people well i'm mm -hmm. telling them the truth mm -hmm. if you love people you're going to tell them the truth and his message is powerful. He's speaking truth to people. So he has a book called On Killing. Yes. On Combat. On Spiritual Combat. On Truth. Mm -hmm. He has another book coming out in March. It's going to be called On Hunting. So we yes. stayed with that same theme. And then um, the uh, design of the logo. My wife is a graphic designer. And so she was able yes. to help with this. So it's kind of a team effort. And I appreciate that. And Colonel loves it. And it's been well-received yes. by so many people that have commented, um, thank you for changing your name. This is much uh, neater. It's needed. And um, we understand what that means, Grossman on Truth. Well, and it, I think it removes that ability for groups that take things to extreme mm -hmm. to trash it before anybody would ever even hear about it. Right. But I have to tell you, I will never forget, and I, I don't even know what year the book came out, but when he started doing his science fiction stuff, I was really concerned about him because <laughs> he came out and he sent me that book, the, what, 5,000-year space war or something, and I'm like, okay, Dave, what is going on, buddy? <laughs> it was about really about critical incidents way, way, way in the future, but it it was hard to read it and, and realize that was him, too, and uh, uh, it was... Just one of those things that I think he wrote another one also, didn't he? He did. And those are now by the wayside. Yeah. And so people that know Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, um, he's a sheepdog. He is. He's the original sheepdog. Um, he gives the model of the sheepdog and people like it. What is that model? And it's like, well, and I can relate to it. Um, most of the people in society, normal, everyday people, they're sheep. Mm-hmm. They're not paying attention to what's going on. They just go to work. They're paying bills or uh, out soccer practice, baseball practice, whatever. They're not looking out for danger. Then there are wolves in society. Wolves are the bad people. It's a small percentage of people, mm -hmm. um, but they're just evil and they want to hurt the sheep. And then there are sheepdogs and sheepdogs are the protectors. And so as a law enforcement officer, a police officer, I'm like, yeah, I'm a sheepdog. 
And sometimes the sheep don't like you right? because you look a little like the wolf sometimes. You have <laughs> sharp teeth. Uh, Bushy tail. You might bark a little bit. But when the wolf comes, the sheep love having the sheepdog around. Yep. And so I took that before I even knew about the model. Um, that's kind of how I policed. And so when the hot tone went off at the police department, mm -hmm. I, I lived for the hot tone mm -hmm. because that's when the sheepdog's about to go hunting. Yes. And the wolf just uh, attacked the sheep and I'm about to bring it. And so, and the guys in my squad. And so we enjoyed that. And, and, you know, and, and this is where I'm so glad to see that he is getting back out and their places are bringing him in because I don't know if, if you saw the numbers today, I got this from a friend at Memphis PD, but, uh, 252 officers shot this year, 50 officers. I actually think that's 51 killed by gunfire. Uh, last year there, it, it's a 5% increase as of now, but there've been 93 law enforcement officers shot in 63 separate ambush attack style attacks. And, um, you know, it goes back to what you were saying about the last two years, the sheep dogs, even in some academies are not being trained to be sheep dogs. And this is a concern we have. Yeah. Do you want a social worker responding to your emergency traffic or do you want a police officer, uh, a go-getter, somebody who's going to get the job done, confront evil. And so the model that I believe is when the bad things are happening and everybody's running out from the gunfire, there's a few people that are running toward it. Yes. And those are the true sheepdogs. Yes. Um, and so I would talk to guys that I train personally as a detective. I go, look, um, we all get paid the same. We all wear the same uniform, but we're not all the same. Right. So I said, this is how I determine who is a real cop. If somebody were to hurt your family or, God forbid, uh, kidnap one of your children and you had 24 hours to get them home safely and you could only pick five officers in this department to go with you to confront evil wherever it's at, who would you pick? And they said, man, that's a good question. And I go, I would hope I would be on that list. Sure. And without a doubt, um, every time these guys said, Baldwin, definitely you'd be one of the five. That's all I needed to know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. God, you have me in the place for the right reason. I'm doing it for the right reason. Um, I don't want to get hurt. I'm not a big guy. I don't like fighting people, but I will confront evil. Mm -hmm. And um, certainly if somebody hurts uh, one of my children, um, I'm bringing Armageddon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. I remember after the Aurora, wasn't it Aurora, the theater? Right. And we're yeah. actually going to have somebody from that on the podcast in the future. But. I remember after that, I would go to movies sometimes with some of the officers and their wives, and they always knew I was armed. And it was always funny to have the officers include me in the plan of action if somebody <laughs> came in there shooting. And I was like, I don't think there's a bigger compliment to me as a non-law enforcement person that they knew my abilities, and I was always armed to be able to be part of that. Yeah, and you don't have to be a police officer to be a sheepdog. No. So there's plenty of people at schools, teachers. There's people at churches, churches, um, ushers, greeters, and they have their back to the wall and they're looking for the wolf. Mm -hmm. And there's a few armed people that have some training and they're prepared to take action. Sure. And they're operating in what we call condition yellow. Yes. Um, they're not a sheep with their head in the ground, eating the grass, their heads up. They're looking around. They're scanning. Um, they're not always the most friendly people because... Mm -hmm. You know, they're working sure, and sure. Um, looking for the wolf. But I tell you what, when the bad guy shows up, you're going to be thankful that there are a few people willing to um, take on that role. And, yeah, it's funny because I got conditioned to this. And I, I uh, we were talking earlier about there are no coincidences. But these this was conditioning being married to law enforcement for 20 years. But living in New Orleans and all the agents, we always lived on the north shore of the lake but the agents would always try to sneak up behind me commuting in so i was constantly surveilling my my environment and then of course when the kids were targeted also that was a big thing that i had to make sure i was aware of the environment but all of those things i think just helped me to get to that place of being able to be in this industry and understand a little bit of it i, I don't understand the i never had to put the vest on and all of those things and the 
day-to-day of writing tickets, stopping cars, that stuff. But this is where anybody out here listening who makes decisions about training for your agencies, you have to have Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman come in. You have to. His stuff is tried, true. It's been around. He's been teaching almost 30 years. I think I started a year or two before him. But, you know, he doesn't, this is the thing I've always loved about him. You don't, he doesn't vacillate with, with political correctness. He believes in what he believes. He teaches what he teaches. It is factually based. He's done the research. He's constantly researching and writing and he can back up everything he says. Yeah. And that's right. And so that's what I, you know, we talk about, Hey, uh, Grossman on truth. What you mm-hmm. say to people has to be true and accurate. Can you back it up? Well, statistics you can manipulate them a lot of times fbi no offense but they're giving us bad data all the time or they're reluctant to release it when you talk about the people who have been killed the officers that have been killed the murder rate colonel grossman's would say medical technology has kept the murder rate down because we have tourniquets we have ems we have so many people trained if we didn't have those hospitals so nearby trauma centers the murder rate would be so it's worse out there in our country than people actually give it credit for it. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I had a chance to take Tom and Joel and some of our other team. They had you had not heard him. No. You read I knew who he was. Yeah, yeah. and uh, took him when he was here just a month or so ago, I guess. And uh, you know, it's 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 always fun for me because I've heard him so many times. I can almost talk with him. You know, it, it runs in my head as he's talking. And but to see the new people. And the attention that he gets and how people are just hanging on every word of what he says. You don't have people in there shaking their head like or rolling their eyes like you'll see at some trainings. Or getting on their phone going, yeah, let's research this a little bit, see if he knows what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's just me. Y'all right. just do that to me <laughs> and stuff that I say. So, again, part of the deal is he stood the test of time. Yes. He's not a novice. He's been doing this for nearly 30 years. And so the message is true. and. He was talking about school shootings before years ago before it became popular, unfortunately. Um, and people now, we get the emails. Mm-hmm. Colonel, I wish they would have listened to you 20 years ago. I heard you and you said this. I read your book about violent video games and things of that nature. Yes. And so we're just going to keep doing it. And we've talked about this. I said, look, you're not going to save everybody. Not everybody's going to listen to you. Not everybody's cup of tea, but it mattered to that person. It mattered to that person. You saved that child at that school because that principal heard you. That school resource officer did some things differently, how he patrolled the school, and he was ready when the wolf showed up. Yes. And so you did make a difference. Sure. And you can't you can't measure that. And um, But that's the cause, and that's what we're about. And... Um, well, I, you know, I'm not sure a lot of people even really realize the trainings he did post 9-11 for our military and special forces going over to send the message of how much we didn't like what they did on 9-11. Because, again, he I mean, he's well, he taught psychology at West Point um, and he trains Navy SEALs. He's trained Marine recons when they were still recons and not whatever the new name is. And I think it's kind of silly, but um, he, you know, but he doesn't really talk about that stuff except in his classes. He'll mention them occasionally. And a lot of this stuff I know for a fact, because he won't say it. I know he's donated his time to a lot of the groups and places that he felt really needed him, especially post 9-11. Yeah, he's very generous uh, with his time, sometimes yes. to a fault, because yes. then some people take advantage of it and they don't recognize the value of having someone like him there. But he wrote the book on combat for his own son when he entered yes. the military. So many people will say, hey, Colonel, and I get the emails and they'll say, before we were deployed in 2000, whatever, um, we heard you speak and mm-hmm. I'm so glad because that helped me when I was going through some of the things, seeing a buddy blown up. Um, it helped me through it. Sure. Also, we have emails all the time, sometimes some phone calls into the office, and somebody will say, by reading your book or one of your presentations, it saved my life. And they'll go into a story about how they were contemplating suicide or even having the gun in their mouth. And they remembered something. From a presentation or something they read in a book, and they caused them to pause, and they said, "Now, 
because of you. Mm -hmm. um, I have, my kids have a dad, my wife has a husband, and, you know, something I'm working through all the time. Thank you. Sure. And so it's like, hey, we made a difference to that one. And that's huge. Yes. Is he still getting the criticism of the whole warrior thing? That used to that drives me crazy. We I know what we do had you want. Some... Do you want warriors or do you want social workers? <laughs> exactly. exactly. And so yeah, this woke generation has said, Oh, we don't want our cops to be warriors. Okay, here's the deal. I'm the nicest guy when I need to be, and I'm with this particular audience or crowd, but I can be the sheepdog burying my teeth when I need to be too. And so I can do both. Sure. You want both. Um you don't want somebody who's willing to just go out and put a Band-Aid on something. No, you want somebody to hunt evil right after 9-11 yeah. when our country um, got this huge wake-up call and black eye. We took action. Mm -hmm. The country came together United. and we said, hey, this will not stand. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people made some changes. But as we get further and further away from it, yep. we what do we do? We forget. Yes. We say we're not going to forget. But we do forget, and it's not as fresh as it should be. And I don't want another wake-up call right. like that right. for us to get refocused to our mission, for people to go, okay, hey, we do need to prosecute crime. Um, we do want our warriors to be warriors. Um, well, I think that's what, just me. What they missed, there was a chief here over in the West Valley who fortunately is no longer a police chief, but... He had that comment to me of, you know, yeah, I don't like this warrior mindset stuff of Grossman. I said, here's the problem. A warrior can be a guardian or peacekeeper, but a peacekeeper and a guardian are not warriors. It, it the This whole warrior concept of that there are people that are in that state ready to shoot anything and everything is false. Yes. Here, here's the deal. And so many officers could testify to this. Uh, <laughs> People ask me before, you know, hey, did you ever have to pull your gun out? Um, yes. How often? Um, pretty much every shift when I was hunting. Right. Because um, I'd go to an alarm call and I'm in someone's backyard. It's an unknown. My gun's out. Sure. And um, when I'm going into a dope house, I worked on our SWAT team. My gun's out. And they're, mm -hmm. Oh, really? That's scary. No, it's not scary. I'm prepared. Mm -hmm. Um but there have been many times where I've dealt with somebody who was had a weapon or they were mentally disturbed and they're creating a scene. People that say, oh, the police just want to go out and slaughter people. That is not true. Not true. I have not heard that one time in, coming out of a briefing in 20 plus years where somebody goes, I want to shoot somebody. Right. Officers are devastated. Yes. After they're in an officer involved shooting, I work those. Mm -hmm. They're crying. Not all, but they're upset. Their attorneys there, they're thinking, oh, did I do something wrong? Yep. Um, they're, you're asking them, how many bullets did you shoot? And they're like, I think three. Well, there's six uh, shell casings on the ground. That's part of that yes. stress management. You don't even know right. sometimes what's going on. And so nobody revels in that. Right. Are there a couple bad apples in our profession? I suspect there are. But those guys should then be prosecuted or supervisors should do their job and get those people out of this profession Yep. because if they're dishonorable. But for the most part, 99%? I agree. My experience, mm -hmm. and I can only tell my story, my experience, guys do this for the right reasons. Yep. You don't do it to get rich. Nope. Um, it was a good profession after 9-11. People, hey, thank you for your service. We yes. appreciate what you do. Now guys are getting spit on, but we've allowed that in our yes. country. We've allowed it to be open season on police officers. And that statistic you sh shared of so many police officers being killed. Mm -hmm. If I were chief or king for a day, I would hold public executions for people that uh, attacked a sheepdog. I'm with you. Unprovoked. Um, well, the two that, in Bristol, that would Connecticut. Not, that would not stand. False 911 call, ambushed. It was it was set up for that. You know, and it's sad to me because we had 14 officers shot in one week, four killed just last week. But why isn't the president talking about that? Why, why, isn't, anybody? That, why isn't that huge? Right. Nobody's talking about that. Because, again, we're not allowed to right now. Right. And it's like, that's not truth. We're not telling the truth. That's right. Truth. People need to know the truth. Here's the deal. Since you brought it up mm -hmm. with the cancer diagnosis. 
you want your doctor to tell you the truth or do you want him to pacify you and You'll not tell fine. you yeah. what's going on? If right. I have a problem, right. I want the doctor to be honest with me Yes, and tell me if I'm overweight and he says, hey, you need to lose weight. Okay. I want the truth. Sure. I might not like it, mm -hmm. but you want it. So why we, why wouldn't we want that in the rest of society? Doesn't fit the narrative. And <laughs> it was sad because I've said, I made those comments to somebody recently that has nothing to do with law enforcement, just a citizen. And I said, yeah, we had 14 officers shot this week. And she goes, oh, I didn't know that. And I said, no, you probably aren't going to hear it. Four were killed. And when you, you know. And those are families. Those are yes. departments. Yes. Those are dispatchers. So, you know, we forget about that. Neighbors, sometimes. friends. Yeah. Everybody's impacted. Churches. Uh, you, but the accountability has gone. And, you know, when, when you guys, because y'all are pretty close in timeline. When did you, what year did you start? 94. And you started in? Like 2000. So yeah. he's had, well, has a little bit more timeline. Yeah. But the environment at that time, you know, is so different than what oh, it, is it is today. And we were teaching a new recruit class here and we only had a handful. And I asked the class, I was asking, why do y'all want to do this? This was like week two, what, week yeah. one or two. And I said, why do y'all, why are you in here? Why do you want to do this? We had one Marine who was a combat Marine. He was ready and he wanted to work graves and he wanted to work in the areas where there was a lot of stuff going in. Not because he wanted to go kill people because, but he wanted, he knew he could make a difference right. and it wouldn't impact him the way maybe it would others. But there was one and, and she literally looked at me and she goes, I want to be a social worker. And I'm looking around the room like, I didn't know we were trained in social workers. Yeah, that's yeah. a sad when indictment. When did we start hiring that? And she made it through the academy and washed out an FTO, but she washed herself out. She real and I, and I said, I had a lot of respect. I just right. found this out the other night that she realized she wasn't cut out for this. And I said, but that was a spot in an academy that we needed to fill. We just can't yeah. find the people right. right now. That's the, the yeah, other so hard part. There's a shortage for sure. Yes. And they're going to throw money at it. Oh, yes. let's give a bonus. Let's do this and that. Yes. And that's just a Band-Aid. Yes. Um, you have to change the climate and the culture and this narrative. You have to have prosecutors do their job. Amen. And, and prosecute cases because there was nothing more frustrating. <laughs> uh, seven, eight years ago, um, I would say if I brought nine cases to the county attorney, excuse me, ten, if I brought ten cases to the county attorney, nine were prosecuted, either with a plea deal or if somebody went to prison or trial or whatever. Right. As I was retiring, that same number of ten, I would say four, three or four. It might be worse now. It is. Um, and just turn down, turn down. So somebody... Let's just say a simple shoplifting case. Ah, they're guilty of shoplifting, blah, blah, blah. That's an easy one. No brainer. You have surveillance video. You have the loss prevention officer saying it. Mm -hmm. Maybe the guy goes, no, it wasn't me. You showed the photo lineup to his mom. <laughs> Who's this on video? Oh, that's my son, you know, so-and-so. So the mom says it's him. The loss prevention says it's him. The video says it's him. Yep. And the uh, prosecutor goes, well, There's he said doubt. it wasn't him. Yeah. Do you have any other evidence? And it's like, what in the world? There were times, I'm not making this up. I, I had a, I had a confession. Oh no! I had a recorded interview. I had a confession. I had a written confession. Prosecutor go, well, do you have any like uh, DNA evidence, like fingerprint at the scene? What? What are you talking about? So the burden of proof is over the top. Yeah. Um, this is amazing. Um, and so it's just a lack of. I don't want to do my job. I don't want to do cases. And if I cleared off my desk, it's basically. It's a cleared case, mm -hmm. and uh, I don't like that. It's not right, and it's going to have to swing back, well, or it's going to be anarchy on the streets. Well, and we're we're headed right. there now. I, you know, I said I bet Tom, you've seen a huge difference. You've only been retired a year. Mm -hmm. Granted, you were a sergeant sitting behind the desk, not doing much anything. <laughs> <laughs> I have to give him a hard time when I can't. Falling asleep, do a proven reports. But we fix that. That's I, right. I fix that part. But, you know, for you guys that have done the job and seen it and you're watching this system deteriorate, it's got to be so frustrating. And we, we know the answers to fixing this stuff, but nobody really wants to do it. Well, yeah, it's changed so much over the time that I've done it. Um, knowing 
what I know today, mm -hmm. if I if I had to start all over, knowing what I've went through, I would I would not choose to go into the profession. And how sad is that? You know, I remember watching as my career has come about that families literally were threatening their kids. You ain't going to be a cop. And now yeah. it's really bad. But that was even starting 15 years ago. Yeah. And so that's part of the reason why the military now, mm -hmm. uh, they're not hitting their recruitment goals because who wants to go in the military now with all the wokeness and the, the change of the right. culture? Sure. Um, the climate right now. Um, but again, evil triumphs when good men do nothing. Yes. And so we can't just say, uh, okay, we're not going to be cops anymore. We're not going to have military anymore. We have to have it. We have to have law right. and order. Yes. Um, I firmly believe in it. And so I'm not a police officer now, but I am working with police officers, mm -hmm. um, military people, other sheepdogs. And so I feel like I'm able to impart some information, some wisdom, some knowledge, encouraging people. Some of the detectives that I left behind that I trained, young guys, that's going to be part of my legacy. They're, yes. they're going to be squared away detectives. They're going to promote to sergeant, lieutenant. If they continue on the path they're going, mm -hmm. they will then be able to lead and be mentors to people. And we need more of that. We need to encourage that. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, chiefs of police, they got to get on the ball. Preach it. They yeah. got to get together. <laughs> Part of the deal with the chief of police a lot of times is he's a politician. Yes. He serves at the pleasure of the city council. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, yeah, I don't want to lose this high-paying job. Mm -hmm. A sheriff, on the other hand, is elected by the people. Yes. And sometimes they have a little bit more leeway. And if you don't like them, then you can vote them out in four years. Right. Sure. Sheriff Joe had quite a run for a while, you know. Sure so, did. Um, well, look at Mark Lamb here. We, we preach about Mark Lamb all the time. I, that man. And... I don't understand why anybody who's a leader, claims to be a leader, isn't following Mark Lamb's lead in how he does things. So you have to be yourself and you have to be true to yourself and be authentic. But yeah, why wouldn't I steal from him some of the good points and some of the things that are working and use it? It's a compliment to him. Absolutely. Um, I don't need to reinvent the wheel. They do it in sports all the time. One team has success with something. Sure. All of a sudden, the rest of the teams all copy it. And then somebody has to change and do something different. We need to do that with police, you know, but sometimes these little departments, this is my little fiefdom and I'm the, I'm the <laughs> boss of it. I'm the king. Yep. It's good to be the king. Yes. Well, you know, be a leader. Yeah. This is what I would like to see. Um, when I got hired by Chandler Police Department years ago, it was Chief Bobby Joe Harris mm -hmm. and he's an old school Marine. And my FTOs go, hey, just to let you know, every once in a while, on a graveyard shift, Chief Harris might back you up and stuff. Don't be afraid, but he can write a ticket. He can fill out a tow sheet and he can direct traffic, but mainly he's just there for support. And I'm like, cool, that's great. That was my first experience in police work. Sure. Then I went out to Surprise and couldn't find the chief. <laughs> oh, it's a weekend. <laughs> oh, it's night. It's after five o'clock. Yep. So I wasn't a command staff, but I, some of the guys that, promoted along the way i would tell them you want to be in good with the troops yes. not every time but once a month show up on a weekend graveyard shift the swing shift and just back those guys up on the weekend yeah and they see the lieutenant or the commander out there or the assistant chief they would run through a brick wall for you yes but they don't do it because it's hard you know i'm a salary and uh you know i give up my TV time and, you know, getting my manicure or pedicure. It's like, you know what? How about you be a leader? Absolutely. You took this job. You right. sold a, somebody a bill of goods saying you wanted to be a leader. Yep. So so be a leader. Yes. Who is working the graveyard shift? Most often it's the rookies, the younger officers. Least the, experienced, busiest shift. Yep. Most dangerous. Yes. That's when they need the chief of police out there saying, hey, I got your back. Seeing what issues you're having. And uh, I said that. I don't even remember where I was, but I had chiefs and sheriffs and we were talking about how they, a lot of departments have gotten away from the bid system based on seniority. And I said, 
why is that? And they were like, well, because, you know, we do wind up with our least experience on the, the busiest shifts. And I started laughing and I said, let me fill you in a little thing here now. I said, because here's the reality of it. Your senior guys really want to do those night shifts because you ain't around. They they like to be working when the brass ain't around. Mm -hmm. They'll let the new guys be there when everybody's walking around, checking it out. I said, that's a big shift I've seen in 30 years. And, and it's true. Yeah. And you, But you do have to have some seniority out there. And if they're not there on those shifts, somebody better be out there helping out and setting the example. So this goes back to the psyche of somebody involved in an officer-involved shooting. Mm -hmm. They go to a burglary call. Chief doesn't come out to that. They go to a eh, bank robbery. Probably not. The chief's not coming out to that. They get involved in a shooting. They have the chief out there, the commander out there, the media out there. Pretty soon they're like, what did I do wrong? Yes. And that's why they start thinking, oh, I'm about to get fired here. Sure. If the chief would show up on routine calls, if the commander would show up on a domestic and help you out, yeah. then when he shows up in a big thing when you need him, yeah, it's a normal. And you're like, okay, he comes out to calls all the time. This isn't that big a deal. And it would help decompress a little bit. Sure. And guys could probably work through it a little bit better. Well, it's funny. ANOA, the Arizona Narcotics Officers Association here a few years ago, Dave was keynote. And uh, Mark Lamb was there, the sheriff down in Pinell County. They'd never met. It was nice for me to have an opportunity to kind of connect those two. And literally, Mark got up and he, you had head of DEA, FBI, everybody there, U.S. Marshals, all this stuff. And Mark gets up there and he's talking about, you know, it's time basically for leadership to grow a set and start backing up their people. And it it's the first time I can remember Dave pulled from what Mark said. Mark, unfortunately, had to leave, but um, Dave pulled in his presentation and built off of what Mark Lamb had said about that, about leadership. And it, he made some really good points that really hit home with everybody in that. And there were probably 600 people in that room. And they picked up on Mark that quickly. But Mark will get out and do traffic stops. Yep. He, anybody in Pinell County, uh, let me let you know right now, his pet peeve is don't ride in the left lane. <laughs> well, good leadership is contagious. Yes. And it, it should be. But I can also say tell you stories of things that I learned from bad leadership. Yes. And I've seen plenty of examples of that. Of Okay, I won't do that. Mm -hmm. I won't do that. Um, and. That's not the leader that I would want to be. Right. I'd want to be the leader. People go, you know what? I like how Baldwin did it. I'm going to do it that way. Mm -hmm. And so it's a compliment to me when these detectives that I train will tell me about, hey, I got a confession off of a technique that you used. They're following me. And so I'm like, okay, I made a difference to that detective. Sure. To that one. And so that's very rewarding. Sure. And, you know, flattery <laughs> is, is, is a compliment. You know, I mean. Uh, if you copy me, that is uh, the highest right? form. That's what I meant to say. Yes. Um, if you say, "Hey, I like what he did," mm -hmm. um, and you follow it and you copy it, that's the best form of flattery. Absolutely. Uh, tell us a little bit about what Dave has coming up. See all over the place. Yep, uh, a busy schedule. We're here in Phoenix uh, for for a fundraising event, mm -hmm. um, and then I'll send him down to K Kentucky. Uh, he's out to Indianapolis. Um, he's going to go to New York, the FDNY, New York, and then Transit Authority. And then he's going to go out to a Chiefs conference in Vegas. Good. Um, so the next uh, end of October, November is packed. December will slow down. Mm -hmm. I've already booked plenty of dates in 2023. Um, some colleges are reaching out to us. And that's been encouraging. Good to, to hear, because uh, that's a exactly. group that needs to hear it. And so um, we're going to be going to a few universities, and um, we're looking forward to that. Any international stuff? I know he has in the past, but is he kind of staying pretty much in the U.S. right now? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, I know he's been to Canada before. He's Yeah, we've talked up there a few times together. Been in uh, Spain uh, there's, I'd like to see him go international with, with some things. He has quite the following. People follow him on uh, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, and some of the followers are international. Mm -hmm. But getting him over there, um, 
Yeah, I'd like to see it happen if we could. Only if you can go with him. <laughs> yeah, you know, because he needs some he needs some protection. Absolutely. Somebody will watch his six. I'll carry his suitcase if he goes to some places. Um, but you know, are you traveling with him very much? Yeah, so I go to some of the the bigger big events with him. Um, I like to travel, but then I have to take care of the office, office. and what we got going on there too. So it's a balance. But I've gone to. The Chiefs Conference down in Alabama. I'm going to go to a Chiefs Conference in uh, Las Vegas coming up. I'm out here in Arizona with him. Um, we went to a big faith-based seminar in Missouri. I had about 350 church security sheepdogs there. Okay. And um, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Because churches are not immune from violence. That's no. right. It used to be off limits to bad guys. Even they had a little respect for God's not house. Anymore. But not anymore. Is he still teaching with, uh, I always want to say Billy Meeks, but it's not Billy. It's uh, Jimmy Meeks. Jimmy Meeks, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Jimmy has uh, started a new push for faith-based groups and churches and saying, hey, you know, I'll help organize it. You bring the colonel in as a keynote. Mm -hmm. And so he and I are working on a couple of dates Good. in 2023. I know COVID impacted that, BLM and stuff impacted all of that stuff. You know, it, it it's heartbreaking to hear him talk about threats against him and his family. And you just want to go, people, seriously. Yeah, so sometimes, you know, you have these uh, paper tigers or whatever, you, yeah. these social media uh, ninja warriors that want to <laughs> say something that they, they've never said to your face. Right. right. But they get a lot of courage when they're uh, just beh keyboard. behind their keyboard. But they say some nasty things. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't want them saying it about me or my family. And um, so you just got to pay attention to sure. what's going on. You can't just say, oh, you know, it doesn't bother me. Sure. Well, that's a warning sign. You should be right. having your guard up. Yes. But, you know, you still got to do your job. And yeah. um, he's recognized at airports and people want to take a picture with him. And he's gracious to them. He'll sign a book for people. And so they like that personal touch. Yeah, I've always laughed and said he makes me look good because every time I go somewhere to teach or talk about teacher, oh, do y'all know Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman? <laughs> I told him I said I'm riding on your back everywhere I go, <laughs> and and I do want to once we get my chemo scheduled and all that stuff figured out, I do want to try to start to promote some more trainings with him now that this stuff's kind of kicking back up again. He's That'd be great. The hard part is I always have to follow him. Do you know how hard that is? <laughs> they have to be go after him. Yeah, so you don't want to follow a legend ever. I know, but <laughs> yeah, I have you to wanna, always. You want to be the person after the person that follows the legend. I know, but that isn't the way this works. But at least he does get up and and he'll brag on me and talk about y'all need to hear her and and that kind of And he's, he's always said, you know, he brings it to a point and then I tell the rest of the story. Yeah. And it's a it's a good fit, and so I'm hoping that's something, Tom. That, yeah, that's going to be your job. Get, make that happen, <laughs> Tom. We we're giving you eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> We've had those happen before yeah. too. We've driven all the way to Flagstaff to have 15 minutes cut to like five. Five, yeah. And uh, but yeah, it's it's something that we need to get back on that push of getting him because it's really sad to me when I hear these younger ones, and I'm talking about people with less than 10 years on. Never heard of him. So that's part of a lot of people's regret. So what they will say is, I wish I would have heard him yes. in the academy or in my first three years before I experienced something. And then I hear him 10, 10 years after the fact yep. for the first time. I've had some officers say that. I wish I, I wish it had been required reading at my department to have his book because it helped me. Yes. Now, some agencies... Um, have been giving the books to their supervisors. If you want to promote, you need to read this book. So that's a good start. Which one on on combat? On or combat. On, okay, good, good. And then um, I had a police sergeant contact me today about getting books for his squad. And I'm like, okay, that's being proactive. Yes. Before, before preventative, <laughs> before something bad happens. Yes, we were talking about that earlier. Being prepared. That's the whole thing. And so, you know, hopefully we can work together and get, some stuff going and get him back out there even more, especially with these younger ones, because I don't think they're hearing what they need to hear in academies. So what happens a lot of times in police departments, Tom would know this, the senior guys get the training. Yes. Well, it's the younger guys that need it, but because they're novices, <laughs> um, they have to wait their turn. 
why wouldn't you want them to have the training early? Yes. And uh, before somebody who's retired on duty gets it. Right. Is he teaching in any of the academies at the very introductory level? I don't ever remember him saying he's not, been brought in. Then. Not since I've been here. Mm -hmm. um, I have an opportunity, and this might be something we could look at in the future. Uh, a lot of high schools that are have a little career path for people. There might be a group of 30 students that are thinking, I might want to be in the military or the police, bringing him in for a, you know a, even a virtual class, a two-hour block or something, just to whet their appetite or get them to start reading. Um, one college, uh, Grace University, uh, they're in the, uh, uh, I think, Michigan area. Their uh, psychology class is studying his book, and so mm -hmm. they're all reading his book. And so the other day, he was on a virtual call with them, mm -hmm. and the students were able to ask him questions. And I'm like, I hope they understand what a treat that was. Right. Yes. But, you know, we've got a good bit of time scheduled the end of January for a new recruit class at Phoenix. And maybe we need to line Dave up for a virtual at least hour on that. That's something we need to talk about. And yeah, because you're you're trying to equip people with good information and yes. tools and truth. And yes. sometimes if you're at the academy and you're hearing the same speaker, you know, your RTO or whatever, uh -huh. you need a, a different voice. Right. But if somebody vouches for this guy and says, hey, this guy's been doing this for 30 years. He knows what he's talking about. Listen to him. Yes. Some people might sit up in their seat and do that. Yeah, I'll talk to him about that because I think they've given us 10 hours, which we don't typically need with new recruits. <clears throat> so maybe there's an opportunity to have Dave on there yeah, virtually. That'd be, that'd be really good. That that would, yeah, we'll work on that. All right. Yeah. Well, we're thrilled to have you here. We're so glad, too, that it worked out to have him in studio because yeah. that's always more fun than the... Zoom, call Zoom stuff. Call yeah, no, it's good to meet you guys and talk with you face to face and uh, uh, make make a connection. Absolutely, uh, it's good for me to talk about what I'm doing now, how I'm assisting uh, the colonel, how we can help more people. Yes, um, that's what we want to do. Um, what I'm kicking myself for is we didn't schedule Dave in studio. <laughs> Maybe we need to talk about that for tomorrow morning. Maybe we can get him over here tomorrow morning. Because, again, I had him on Zoom when we first started, and it right. was it was an awkward setup of video and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, I think I'll text him and go, let me take you to dinner. <laughs> Let's do a, a podcast at least tomorrow. A at least a cup of coffee. Yeah. Something, yeah. Yeah, and then maybe we, we could get him over here before that in the afternoon. So Hey, I've already uh, set the table for him, so now he can. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> he can follow you. How's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take, take that, Colonel. <laughs> I'm defending you, Dave. Look out. Don't worry. We got you covered. Can I get a hoo-ah? <laughs> well, it's nice to have you back in Arizona, and I uh, hope you'll come back next time you're going to be here. We'll get you back on. You can update us on what all he has going on and you have going on. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. You got anything there, Tom? No. I mean, it was just a pleasure talking to you and meeting you. Yes. Um, I had no idea what you actually do. Um, for the colonel, which is it's interesting to see how you've helped rebrand him and gone through all that transition with him. That's great. I and mean, again, thank you for taking care of him because yeah. he really is. Uh, <laughs> I don't know we'll, what we'll do when Dave says, I'm retiring. I can't imagine when that will be. I don't, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Yeah, that'll, that'll be disappointing. Some some of the critics might say, finally, you know. And, yeah. But when you have a, someone like him, it'll be a national treasure yes. that's right. now gone. Yes. So so we got to get him out there with everybody as much as we can. And we certainly will promote all that y'all are doing and yes. any books. He's convinced me I got to get mine done. He's only been telling me for 30 <laughs> years, but now I got to do it because I committed. He's even named the book. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's already told me the title he wants on it and the <laughs> subtitle under it. And I'm like, well, then write it. Go ahead. Handle it. <laughs> he'll, he'll write you a good forward. He's already, he's <laughs> already committed you a good that. endorsement. So. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. But. Again, and for our audience out there, just remember we're here for you 24-7. Uh, our toll-free number is 855-889-2348. If you call and hit extension 1, we will not even have your number. Uh, this is for anything. There's nothing we don't deal with. And families, please feel free to also call because I think you need some guidance and direction having been the spouse of law enforcement. 
Sometimes I needed somebody to tell me what I could do to help out. And so again, that number is 855-889-2348. My cell number, if you want to call and talk to me, is 334-324-3570. We will never ask your name. We don't ask who you work for. We'll ask if you're police or fire, maybe. Um, and if you want to talk to, you don't want to talk to me, that's fine. You talk to <laughs> Tom, I'll put you on to Tom. And, or you're a firefighter. We've got firefighters that are trained as stress coaches here. It's not therapy, it's education. And, you know, one thing too, be aware. We're just making people aware because we've had officers and people tell us that they didn't know. But some of the suicide hotlines, be aware, they do send police to do welfare checks. And it can be a little disturbing. Um, again, this is something we do deal with, and really there's nothing we don't. Tom, you want to give your number? Sure. If you want to talk to me, my phone number is 480-861-6574, and you can call anytime, day or night, doesn't matter. We appreciate all the sacrifices that all of you make. Families, I know the sacrifices you make. People really don't have a clue what families have to put up with and, and their patients and and lack of time with their loved one and kids too. We also do have someone who specializes in working with law enforcement fire kids, teenagers. And uh, Joel's here. He's one of our stress coaches. He was the son of law enforcement, lost his dad be two years ago this January, right? Um, his father had, how many years did your dad have? Um, it would have been 20 years. It was like 19 years and 10 months. And he uh, passed with COVID. Uh, that January of 21, right before we lost Chris Farrar, and uh, we have other cops, kids, and stuff here. So reach out to us and give us a chance. If we get disconnected, if you've called the 855 number, hit extension one. If we get disconnected, you got to call us back. We don't have your number. We do everything to protect you and give you that anonymity. And just know that we're here. Reach out. Reach out to somebody, chaplain, somebody, but don't. Don't suffer in silence because this is not about being weak. It is not about anything other than good people we've trained and we haven't taught you how to deal with the stuff you have to see. And families certainly don't get that either. So, yeah, it, it's only hard to pick up the phone that first time. And you will get us. Right. You're, you're not going to have to call 10 times or 10 different numbers. Yeah, we're not going to just... So, you know, slough you off to somebody else or nope. we're, we're going to be with you through it and help you Absolutely. get healthy again. Absolutely. So take care. Stay safe out there. Thank you for what you do. God bless you. God bless your families in this great nation that we live in. Mike, a thank you again, and we'll have you back. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. You bet.